lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, and as you can probably tell from the sound of my voice, I am a little bit under the weather this week. But I cannot let a little flu bug uh, keep me from delivering the show to all of you, especially one that is going to be as exciting as this one is. This week we have Effie on the show, um, a, a, a man, a wrestler that I believe to to be uh, an icon within the the LGBTQ pro wrestling circles, but is obviously making a name for himself beyond that and just the independent scene as a whole. And of course, a lot of that is coming to a head uh, in Tampa on April fourth, Mania weekend, with Effie's Big Gay Brunch. Um, as part of the collective. So we wanted to have him on the show to, to talk about the Big Gay Brunch, but also just talk about his experiences uh, within wrestling, his opinions on wrestling, and um, oddly enough, Pavo, Georgia. It, I did not expect that to be something that we talked about heading into this. Um or at least heading into preparing for this interview. Um, but I will save my voice as best I can here and let all of you just get straight to, to the interview. So sit back, have your glass of tea along with me, and check out this conversation with Effie. What's up, guys, guys, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. And my guest this week, uh, honestly, does it need that much of an introduction to i think the audience of the show so far or many other audiences across the the wide range of independent pro wrestling um in the past few years he's become not just an icon for um lgbtq pro wrestling but i would argue independent pro wrestling as a whole um ladies and gentlemen uh this is effie effie isn't that nice that this is effie yes i tried to simplify it because People are like, well, what's Effie? You have to be able to explain it in two sentences. You have to get it get it across in a point. I was like, no, it's too it's too much. Let them figure it out. They'll see what they want to see. This is Effie. I ripped that off of Elvis. Stole it right from him. Nice. I I always go back to Sting with that because that's how he was always introduced in the in WCW. Oh, I mean, obviously, there's your wrestling connection. I'm sure he stole yes. it from you know Elvis too. This oh. this is, but you know, then wasn't he the man called Sting too? I think that was the yes that like this once the song someone else once the song dropped because his entrance song was a man called Sting, a man called Sting. Listen to that cowboy jargon. I love it. I know, right? <laughs> uh, pro wrestling is fun. It's wild. Well, I'm happy to be here. This is going to be exciting. I don't know what to expect. I just left the gym. I'm honestly in here putting out laundry. Y'all got to understand. Listen, I do some interviews now. I'll straight up, I'll go on some shows. I'm pumped on this one. I know you talked to one of my friends recently. Um, I get stuff done while I podcast. I'm a multitasker. And this is a great time because anytime I'm doing a podcast, doing an interview, talking to somebody, and I'm on my phone, I can basically shut myself off from just OCDing through Twitter. There you go. Because, I mean, you are, you. speaking of that, actually, you are very very engaged on social media like you like we were talking when you were here in portland uh for the doa show but like you were telling me like you are constantly uh scrolling through there yeah 100 percent. and for me like it's it's the world moving it as fast as i need the world to move so like obviously people have their feeds that they follow but like for me 
more of the reason I'm constantly checking Twitter is like what's happening everywhere at all times. Like you can literally monitor what's happening in the world right now down to like dumb animal stories up to like major news stuff to like as deep of a conspiracy hole as you want to go down. I can watch it literally in zero seconds refreshing itself. And so I obviously have a feed where I'm like following people that are interesting to me, but doing some deep diving on some of those replies and some weird headline stories and looking into some facts. That's the addiction of Twitter to me. That information never stops flowing. The spice must flow. <laughs> First Dune reference on this show. I'm surprised we got this far <laughs> without having one. Yeah, what are we at? Four, four minutes and we already made a Dune reference? Oh, we're talking about the like first episode of the show that I've already made a Dune reference. So, like, you're in there. <laughs> wow. wow. I'm yeah. going deep cuts early right now. I'm into it. That's what we're here for. Um, and speaking of deep cuts, I do want to get into some of the more, like, obviously, you know, the big thing going on right now with you is the Big Gay Brunch coming up in Tampa on April 4th. Um, on Mania Weekend, that's a huge thing right now in your world uh, and the world of many other fans, I would say. Um, but before we get there, I, I wanted to like dive a little deeper into like your beginnings in the industry because we have a common thread. Like I think a lot of the area where you wrestled in the beginning of your career is where I grew up. Oh, hit me with it. Yes. So I was looking through, I was doing some research here, and the fact that you wrestled multiple matches in Pavo, Georgia strikes me <laughs> right bro the story heart. of pavo is the greatest miracle of all i'm very curious about that because i, I grew up in moultrie not far okay from so 30 minutes from there i know some wrestlers from moultrie johnny nice. romano from there moultrie i think you might have moved from moultrie now it doesn't matter wrestling in pavo is incredible because the people there are they're not necessarily watching anything other than like main product and they may not be even watching main product and this may be like the one time they're out of the house during the week this is, you know, this is the country. This is the entertainment over the movie theater. This is going out, bring the family on the Friday, Saturday night. So I'm coming in there with this heavy um, villain coded queer energy because I just knew I could work everyone, you know, playing that up. But as we went along and as I had more matches and as time went on and we ran these little stories in Georgia that were so strange, I had Missy Hyatt uh, managing me at one point for about a uh, between a four and six month stretch, depending on how you look at it. And we're going in this building and just pissing all these people off. But then they, you know, like they pay attention to wrestling, you know, not all the wrestling they watch is the best in the world. They see some cool stuff now and then they're up for it. They're excited. They're engaged, but we took them kind of on this little journey and like the turnaround in that little town from hating everything about me, calling me queer, you know, having farm boys call me faggot, which you know, these things are bound to happen to turning into that room, buying anything I'd put out, buying my shirts, supporting me wholeheartedly, being behind me to win a championship that I've said it probably in too many places. But Pavo, if the rest of the world had Effie is over in 2015, as he was in Pavo 20, 2014, maybe Trump wouldn't have been elected. We'd be fine. Because Effie was hot in Pava. Effie was hot in South Georgia and Alabama because a lot of these people that were going to shows, it was generational, too. So you got these old people who've been going to these shows, these reunion shows, these old-timer shows, and now their kids are coming and their kids are coming. And, you know, like Gen Z kids, they really, especially at that time, are hype on weird stuff, even in the country. So, I like, the kids would want to spend money on me. The teens would want to spend money on me in these you know, bumfuck towns. And it was like, 
really engaging and I got to see how a market could shift in my favor. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, it doesn't that doesn't surprise me all that much. Like growing up down there where you you don't see that stuff, like you don't see representation, you don't see like people like openly living different lifestyles. And the people that that do identify on on the queer spectrum that get to see that in person in front of them and realize that, you know, it's not just them that 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 you can see these people be successful in areas where, you know, it's not traditionally quote unquote, or at least it wasn't traditionally accepted for them to be successful. Like, yeah, I think that I speaks a lot to the community. In these people's heads and their children's heads that they hadn't even thought to Google before. Like they it never even crossed their mind that this is a thing you would even look up. And now here I am presented live in all my glory in front of you wearing pantyhose, freaking out, doing very intensely suggestive things. And now they've got to learn more. This world exists. Hold up. I've only seen, you know, like the three square miles of my town. What's happening out there? I think it brings up that sort of fear and questioning and excitement. No, it definitely does. And and that's why I think that it was really interesting to see that that's kind of where you got your your start uh, in that area, like that that Dothan to Cockwit over to like Tifton and oh, down yeah. to like Gainesville area. And like that, because when I was growing up, that wasn't a very fertile area outside of when WCW would run um, like the Albany Civic Center or something like that, you know? So yeah. being able to see the at least the uh, the industry grow to the point where they can start to sort of accept quote unquote like alternate alternative characters you know for lack of a better term at the moment yeah um, yeah it's really awesome to see it was fun yeah but of course you have definitely branched out beyond Pavo at this point <laughs> um, a little bit it's um <laughs> I try not to think about it I try to just keep doing what's in front of me because it's a little it's aggressive. I mean, it definitely has been. I mean, you've you've um, like you're coast to coast now. Like you've been wrestling for you know, you've let's face it, you're wrestling in one of the most popular um, independent promotions on the regular now with with GCW for the most part. And like like you've definitely there's definitely been a a rise in your profile in the past few years. Um, yeah, definitely. And it's mm -hmm. you just the thing is like if you think you're doing something right with the product you're putting out even if everybody's not into it or whatever it is, if you really believe it and you're smart enough and you have common sense and self-awareness and you, okay, this is, is this actually really working? When you put it in front of the right people after you've been doing it a while, obviously they're, they're going to see it. And if it's good, it's good. Like that's the rule, right? It, if it's, if it's going to work, it's going to work. And so you just eventually get in front of the right people and it's, you don't know when that's going to be, you don't know when that's going to happen. You just hope, somebody's paying attention and they were and it's been um good and intense and a test of my mental fortitude to handle all of this traveling and there's a lot of things that come at you and you know there's people to guide you a little bit but you sort of like oh, let me figure this out and then i figured it out like a business too which is wonderful because i'm you know able to do it and not see any losses and see gains and that's crazy it, it truly is i mean and I think your approach to it, at least in terms of like how you present yourself, um, has set an example for a lot of other um, pro wrestlers in this in this day and age of the, on the indie scene. You know, like the fact that like your promos, like you basically have a studio set up for your promos. Like they're all like you're cutting them basically like it was back in the like Jim Crockett days where you're just twelve like, at a time. I'm yes. doing it tomorrow. I'm doing like thirty. 
I'll probably do 13 to 20 videos tomorrow just in a row. Old what school, did, baby. What informed that that decision? And I said, not necessarily just the promos, but like that that approach to uh, to promoting yourself. Um, what played into that for you? Well, listen, you had I had to think of it as as sort of being a band, but but the kind of band that's like Kiss, where they've like built a world. You know, like you can when you think of Kiss, the first thing you think of is maybe not a song, but you know, and have an immediate picture and reaction. I'm seeing Peter Stanley and I'm seeing like fireworks going off behind him and they're going into it and there's a tongue out. You know what I mean? Like you have your full vision of that. So you have to create these details and create this world. And I started out doing video stuff with a guy that I met in a barbecue restaurant who was like, he was like, you look weird. I was like, I am weird. I was like, are you weird? He was like, yeah, I make movies. I was like, well, I make wrestling. So let's get together. So he would follow me to some of these shows and we put footage together and we filmed sort of these little vignettes and these weird versions of promos and it started really getting over and he's now working on feature lengths in Savannah. So he's out of the picture a little bit right now. He will be down for the big gay brunch to do some shooting. I think there's a lot of shooting going on um, just for who knows, I guess we need, we need more content. <laughs> and then I found out that one of my close buddies here, his girlfriend shot video of sort of in a pinch. And she was like, look, we can set this up. We can do this efficiently and knock this out. I was like, let's freaking do it. Also, before they left, we did make a weird web series called Effie and the Agent. The first series has a real agent, like a person, like an actor. And it's little, they're two to three to four minute vignettes. They're great. They're mostly only on Facebook. So find my Facebook. And then the second season, I didn't have the actor. So I said, just film my dog and we'll have somebody talk over it. So we hired someone to talk over it. We filmed the dog in slow-mo. My dog played my agent. So those were great too. And those got over on Facebook and that's hot. Um, but then it, we, we moved to that style because it just turned into an efficiency thing of, holy moly, I have this many shows in the next two months or even a month. I got to knock all these out. How much time can I devote to it? I'm working. I'm going to the gym. I'm wrestling. I'm traveling. How much time can I really devote to these promos? And so it sort of became this spit it out, take, take it in one shot, do it style of promo change up the backgrounds change up the settings change up that to give it sort of a feel and a vibe of like where we were filming that day and what i was feeling like because i'm a little moody and i want the mood to reflect whatever i'm feeling before i go into these matches so you get these this set of 10 to 12 videos that you can put out in time chunks that have a consistency have a theme have a message and have sort of little secret quips and stuff where it's continuing to build into that world while efficiently just like Hey, this is where you can actually physically come see me. This is the way I'm telling you. I hope you remember this little thing. I hope you actually come out to the show. This is how I'm reminding you. And it's been very effective. Sorry. Was that too much of a PowerPoint answer? Or was that like super, <laughs> should I be charging for that information? I don't know. I mean, I, at some point you could probably, but I think it's I'm just very... trying to give seminars. <laughs> yeah. I can only like take dumb bumps for so long. I'm going to be 55 and I need to give seminars. And not like seminars, like come pay me to do a three hour training. I'm talking like at a collegiate level, how do we move this pro wrestling business knowledge back into the real world and let people see that it's efficient and possible. And here's the methods we use to get it out there. That's what I'm thinking about. I think I have to get a master's degree first though. I don't know. I mean, is college... academia dead? And, I don't know. There's an argument. I believe academia is making DJ accident report that. says it's dead from the nobody's. <laughs> He says academia, it's the most corrupt, fucked, overdone thing in the world. I mean, he's not wrong, 
<laughs> Good. Okay, so, so there's a common yeah. thread. Are we going into a conspiracy or are we uncovering real knowledge here? I think it depends on your outlook. I think it could be both ways. But I, I, to, to me, real knowledge. <laughs> um, just knowing my own experience um, there. But no, like I think that you're right for trying to like pay back the industry with that knowledge in that way. Like trying to show people that there is a better way to do this sort of thing and, and get over. And even if you are like, you know, setting up just a day to cut like, you know, 20 uh, like specific promos for a certain city, certain events, like that can honestly play into the, the weariness of that can play into your hand as well. I know some of your more like, shareable notable promos from from those sets have been some of the more like avant-garde like surrealist type stuff like the first one that comes to my mind is the one for um i think it was for freelance uh, wrestling whenever you just walked in and just kept screaming legacy over and over again while putting on your fishnets <laughs> yeah and i didn't even show it well and i kind of like this as a secret but i was also wearing a lucha mask on my head that i was going to pull down that said, it says my name across it. A fan at Freelance made it for me That's and brought right. it to me and stitched it together. And it says Effie across my face. And then I forgot to pull it down, but we'll have that for another time. Now that's a secret. That's a secret shareable, you know? There you go. Oh, uh, see, he was wearing the mask back in this one. See, but he had it, but he didn't. I don't <laughs> know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm too mysterious for the mask. I think I'd be found out in that mask since it says my name. It is a dead giveaway, but I don't know. Like, you could... There's always a chance, right? There's always a chance. I might wear my Lucha Mask Mania weekend just to jazz it up. Um, that'll be rad. I mean, honestly, like with the the lineup that you have stacked going so far for for Big Gay Brunch, like I don't know, like it might be the cherry on top. But honestly, I don't know. You might have more announcements in your pocket at this point because, like, oh, I have so many more now. I literally, as we're speaking, I just announced Still Life with Apricots and Pears. I saw that. Is, they have done exceedingly well in Chikara. They have been all over. They have spent time with me on shows. And now the world gets to tune in and see this art on display. That's what I was that's the catch the catchphrase for it mm. that I thought of. But I think they thought of it first. Either way it works. I mean still life is a is a work of art, um both in and out of the ring. I, I love I love their stuff and I can't wait to see them um, at the show along with everybody else that you have coming to the Big Gay Brunch. And I, I want to talk about that a little bit here um, as we start moving deeper into like your career. Um, how did the opportunity for the Big Gay Brunch come about? How did it land in your lap? I go to GCW until they let me have it. <laughs> so I had I had thrown the idea around around WrestleMania last year where I need I need you to see how this was looking in my mind, right? The year before was New York. So we're in New York. Everything is far away. I had kind of snuck my way into the New York market over the last year. I had some bookings set up. I had like four bookings that week. I ended up making good money, rented an Airbnb, brought the boyfriend up. It was good. I said, but this is too much travel. I don't like the North. It's too cold. I'm over it. It's in Tampa next year. Florida's my home turf. I've wrestled in Tampa a ton. I know this area. These shows are all 10 minutes from each other. Let's get this thing lined up now. And let's get some buzz going. I know Florida. Worst case, someone else will do my show in Florida because they'll have access to a venue down there. So I put it out and Brett was like, have you signed it with anybody yet? And I was like, nope. 
he was like, all right, let's do it. Which at that point, I had debuted for GCW in the clusterfuck. And then I had some dates coming up in the future. They were putting me in some stuff, trying some things out. And from that point, I was like, look, I think we lock it in. I think we do it. Um, and now we've created this uh, giant creature. You definitely have. And I would argue that the response has been just as large. I think like that and uh, the For the Culture event have honestly been t- probably two of the most... Um, like touted or, or like most talked about events that are going down on that weekend. And they're both associated with the collective, obviously, but they also both are serving to kind of uh, showcase marginalized communities in a way that they really haven't been marginalized or not marginalized. Sorry. Well, they haven't been presented before, <laughs> um, yeah. especially at mania weekend. So here's the misconception though. And I mm-hmm. think this is important because nobody's really talked about this part yet. Me and AJ Gray are very close. I think AJ Gray is fantastic. I'm fighting AJ Gray February 28th at Paradigm in Indiana, and it's going to be great. And what me and AJ are doing and what people, I think, are understanding a little bit now is we're throwing our parties. Our parties are wrestling shows. Our parties are going to have some of the craziest, coolest people that might not be on these other shows, but we got a whole slot for them here now. And the energy and the vibe in there, it's not going to be one of those sit on your hands, polite clap wrestling shows. It's going to be rowdy. It's going to be people ready to support. It's going to be people turning up. It's going to be people with an open mind coming in to a big, fun version of your initiation into things you may not know or may not understand, but can learn as a community. And so, yeah, it's this wonderful educational opportunity and it's this cool you know, vision for talent, but people don't need to forget that we're throwing big ass parties where we need people to come get rowdy and we need people to come get crazy. I don't think that's going to be too hard to convince people to, to get rowdy once they get in the doors over there for either show, honestly. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Knowing both wrestling fans and, you know, just any, any queer event, like it's, it very easily can turn rowdy. In the best ways. Yeah. And I think another thing that I'm really working on, too, is Tampa has a very large gay community. Florida has a very large gay community. I want to make sure we're opening this to people that we might miss just advertising to our community, just advertising to the wrestling world, just advertising to the regular retweets we usually see that are within our world, this Internet wrestling family. Right. Mm -hmm. I have push more into the Tampa gay market to try to get this show just to at least put it in front of people and get gotten into those advertisements and gotten into those publications and tried to talk to people. I mean, hell, we've got Boy Butter sponsoring the Bicurious Battle Royal. They're sending prize packs. They're sponsoring the match. It's an incredible thing to see a queer-based, queer-created lube company able to sponsor a wrestling match. So I'm trying to use my background in PR, my old educational experience, my academia, if you will, to reach into these places where like maybe wrestling hasn't tried to get into these spaces before. And I think there could be a lot of success. And maybe people from that community haven't ever thought that a wrestling show would be something they could do. And now we can show them, look, this is, this is your wrestling show. Don't worry about it. Just come see what you like. You might go out to more wrestling later. You might really enjoy this. We might build a new fan base, or you might just come and have a good time and go home. Or you might say, Hey, that was a little too wild. She threw her through a door. I don't know what to think. And you just say, well, that was a day and move on. But I think for the most part, 
we're going to be able to build new fans and show them a world that is just like them, but also a little turned up and crazier. Mm. And in my, in my opinion, I think that's like the next logical step in terms of like the growth of LGBTQ pro wrestling, or at least like um, cultivating an audience for it. Because, you know, the past few years we've seen promotes like certain promotions pop up that have been specifically catered to uh, the queer community and queer wrestlers. You've seen, obviously the past couple of years, we've seen a lot of promotions hold uh, events during pride month. Um, which we'll double yeah, back to, I, I think, do want to ask you about rise at some point, but, Oh, for sure. But, but I think that the trend I'm seeing now is that there's a wrestling product that is still wrestling, that is still trained athletes that are still people who tour worldwide, that are still people who know their stuff that are party wrestling. And that includes places like party hard wrestling in Arizona and bar wrestling in California and three, two, one battle up in uh, the Seattle area and fest wrestling in Gainesville, which I'm the champion of this Sunday. I'm defending my belt against Wolf Taylor. All of these places that are growing and having so much growth. And even like GCW, there's an environment of a party in there where people can come relax, be themselves. You don't have to know everything going on. It's going to be crazy. Have the best time of your life. Have a couple drinks. There's the trend in those that are, not tolerant to the hatred or the bigotry or the sexism or the homophobia or any of that stuff anymore. And they're creating this very cool, safe environment for people to just come enjoy themselves and not have to have the expectation of you have to know everything to be in on the joke and then just enjoy a show. That's the kind of growth that I'm seeing. And that's why I think there's such a big overlap that we're missing in our own market by not paying attention to people that are around us anyway. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that. I know that companies like Hood Slam and Bizarro Lucha have been doing similar things as well for a number of years now, just kind of creating more of that, a more welcoming environment for people who like maybe didn't grow up attached to pro wrestling as close as some of us have, you know, or never, never been to an event before. And then you got companies like Primetime Pro Wrestling that are, um, you know, presenting a, a fairly straightforward product, but being very inclusive and promoting themselves to their own uh, queer community within yeah the, i'll the tell DC you though, prime time in dc it sure feels like a party in there yeah and those people are ready to get down they're ready to have a good time there's good food there's beer flowing you know i'm not drinking any but i know when people drink it they have more fun at these shows apparently <laughs> and you know one of one of their shows recently sold out in a brewery a big brewery room and it was just a crazy cool feeling everybody's you know really enjoying themselves so great wrestling doesn't have to be ignored by these party promotions and they don't there's really good wrestling happening we're just presenting it in an environment that's you know a little more laid back and a little more fun and hopefully more enjoyable than what you'd expect when you first hear pro wrestling if you're not familiar with it mm. no i i'm right there with you i think it's the it's a really good route to take when, when doing that um and then of course like the the pride element to to the uh, the show as well, um, you know, showcasing as much talent as you are for uh, that's on the the queer spectrum. You know, everybody from like um, I know the former Oscar um, now um, uh, uh, Unai. Um, I her, think it's there... Vanny. Vanny. I think there it's we go. Vanny. And the translation is deep dark red. Okay. And Vanny is presenting for the first time in America. Ever. Yes. And people may know her work as Asuka and DDT Pro. Uh, she used to work for Pro Wrestling Wave. She did some other things sort of freelance just to get her name out there. And she's been really hustling in Japan and getting things done. And 
very excited to come to America, very excited to show the world, you know, what they're about, what they want to do. People know her for a few different things over there. And I think you're going to get a treat when, uh, when we get her over here to, to mix in with some of the American talent. I'm definitely excited for that. Um, But like, you have so much uh, high profile uh, LGBTQ talent already signed, you know, Kiera Hogan, Diamante, Sonny Kiss. Um, and then you also have people that people may not be as familiar with, like Shane per- uh, Shea Purser. Um, right. Like I saw somebody say about Shea Purser, they said, uh, I don't know who this is, but I trust it because you're presenting it to me. And I said, that's that's what we need with our wrestling audiences to go look. If you want to go out there and take a risk, I know people don't know everyone I'm announcing for this show, right? Like they're not going to be familiar with everyone 100%. But I'm telling you, what we're giving you is our energy, is our spirit. You know, Ashton Starr is someone who I've had two of my favorite matches ever with, where we've really just gone out there and wrestled. And not all wrestlers just go out and wrestle. And, you know, we have a little bit of a conversation, but to go out there and just kind of feel things out, it's really fun, really awesome. And I think Ashton is going to show out big time, um, sort of get out of the Georgia place and and start seeing a little more of the world after uh, people get eyes on that. How important has it been for you to, when putting this show together, to have the ability to showcase talent that, you know, people may not know as much? Well, I look at it this way. Listen, there's there's a short list of indie American talent in the U.S. And like, is there an abundance of talent? Yeah, but there's a short list of indie talent being chosen and being put in places where they can make good money doing this and not have to suffer and take shit bookings with low pay and sort of just trot along and hope for the best. And all I'm trying to do is give these people an opportunity to at least be seen to be included in that list or to be a part of it. And to be able to put them out on that spot and sort of get to show everybody in this showcase week where everybody's going to be in town, everybody's sort of paying attention, everybody's sort of seeing what's going on. And by everybody, I just mean anybody who's paying around money or moving things economically and wrestling. And to at least just give the platform that may not have been there three, four, eight, ten years ago and put a spotlight on all of this stuff. It's a crazy feeling. And it's like it felt like something that why wouldn't we not do that? You know, why would we not show our friends off? No, I mean, it makes total sense. I mean, if, you, if you're in the, the place to provide that sort of opportunity, you definitely do it, especially if it's people that you know are talented and that you that you love, you know? Yeah, I think of it this way. If you were like, if you're like, hey, man, listen, there's this circus coming to town, right? And I know circus, it's, 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 the, it's the easy metaphor for wrestling. But if you said there's going to be this acrobat act and it's, gonna, it's nothing like you've ever seen before, you got to see this. It's, it's $25 to go see this whole circus. There's a bunch of other stuff, too. But there's also this acrobat is going to be there. You'd be like, yeah, dude, I'll definitely pay $25 to go see that crazy ass acrobat. That sounds wild. I'm not doing anything else. Let's go see that crazy ass acrobat. Yo, I don't care if you don't know a single name of who I've announced for the show. I want you to see that it's gay. I want you to see that it's big. I want you to see that we're going to have some brunch and some food and some pro wrestling. And I want you to go, that sounds like a good time for me. Let's see what this is about. So it's like there's there's a little risk saying, oh, well, people don't know these people. Yeah, but people know I'm about to throw a damn exciting event. And so that's like the hype and trust in the community and the fans that overlap in that, that the way they've been behind it and the way they've put the information out there, it's very, very flattering and exciting to see that kind of like, like, hey, we're good at this stuff, too. And we can put all this stuff out here, too. And uh, 
we're we're down with the mission. We're down with the cause. There's a lot of banding together happening for this, and it's very cool. No, definitely. Um, and before we move off of Big Game Brunch, uh, real quick, I do have two small questions uh, regarding, like, specific to the promotion of this. One, how did you convince Tony Deppin to be a go-go boy during the brunch? And two, let me be clear. Okay, don't even give me two yet. I'm going to give you a brief on this. <laughs> okay, Tony Deppin is a doll, and his wife is a doll. And the thing about Tony is he's down for a good time. And I said, Tony, we need you here serving drinks, serving hors d'oeuvres, looking sexy in those little trunks that you wear under those trunks. I said, they're going to eat it up. And he said, I'll do it. And I said, okay. I said, you might be on double duty. I might throw you in the battle royal now, Tony, if you're feeling a little bi-curious. And he said, I'll do anything you need. He said, Effie, I'm ready for it. And this Saturday in Atlantic City, I'm going to kick his ass right in front of that GCW crowd at the showboat. Tickets, I think, are still available. It's where they held the last blood sport, but it'll be blood sport for Tony Deppin on February 15th. Love it. Love it. All right, what was question two? <laughs> so question two, the uh, the text-to-speech promo that, that you put out uh, with the like Second Life sort of avatar of yourself. Um, I'm very curious about how that came together and where that idea came from, because it was genius. Yeah. So I got real horny for Fiverr a little while ago and on Fiverr, you can find people who will do whatever you want and they do not charge a lot of money and they're exciting and they are weird. And so I was finding people in like Pakistan and Kyrgyzstan, I think that were making these videos where they were just like, we'll put your picture on a thing and it'll say the speech. And so I'd be like, look, put my face on it. Here's the promo script. Y'all want a promo from me? I'm not going to pay my camera girl her regular rate. I'm going to pay this $10 fee and I'm going to get you the promo. And then I would just stick them up. And like, obviously I knew they were absurd. I love this absurdism concept. Shout out to carry off. Oh, we're getting into some weird stuff and being able to put out a version of myself that was like, I'm, I'm putting this kind of shell of character out there. Like I'm so unconcerned with this that you can see a digital version of myself. They didn't pay me enough for the real thing, but that was one of the things that initially uh, GCW saw and were very intrigued by. So when I did the brunch, Brett was like, you got to do another CGI video. And I think I'd done two other ones, but he really wanted another one. And I was like, we can really script this up. I have more eyes on it. Now people are going to pay attention and they have, shared the crap out of that video and it's been great because it has all the details and it also has some signature shade coming out of my mouth because I got to just talk crap about why we're there in the first place, which is the WWE is running a big show, right? Well, mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to run the show that I don't even think most of these people are going to WrestleMania <clears throat> the next day. We've turned it into a different destination. You can say that most of the people are there for WrestleMania. They are, but there's a lot of people coming that aren't staying Sunday. It's very true. I mean, just at least a lot of people that I've spoken to, um, like they're definitely they're definitely the majority of them are going for the events around Mania as opposed to Mania itself, um, which I think speaks to a lot to the broadening of the the wrestling audience in, in the past decade or so. Um, you know, not just with the rise of LGBTQ pro wrestling, um, but just the indie scene as a, as a whole, you know, which I, you've been a huge part of, um, along with uh, many other awesome wrestlers. Um, which, but that, that actually, the reasoning behind uh, have, having an event like the Big Gay Brunch kind of brings me back to 
uh, rise last year. Um, I know that like, you've spoken at length about the promo that you cut at Pride and Joy um, with multiple people, multiple podcasts at this point. But one thing that has been very interesting to watch, especially with the development of this show, is that a lot of my guests, when they come on, they double back and they point to your promo as this sort as a rallying cry in a way of like basically pushing them to advance whatever they're advancing within pro wrestling from their from their viewpoint or in their region. Um, was that on your mind whenever you uh, got that live mic in Illinois that, that day? Obviously, it's it's always on my mind, but mm-hmm. it was a very rare and in- intriguing opportunity. And I know I've said it before, and they'll look back now and we'll say it was a, the greatest idea, but they didn't know what I was going to say. And I was sort of riffing it. And I was like, they kind of wanted me to go out there and be a heel. And then I sort of gave them a half explanation of kind of what I was going for, which was like frustration and not being chosen and how dare you. And then I just flipped it and said, let's, let's really talk about it. I said, everybody's really excited to be here. Right. But, uh, but they don't want to say anything because they're not going to be booked by August and it's June right now. And they're going to go back to their little community and get booked where you can. And we'll see you next year. And that wasn't, even in regards to just rise, that was in regards to this whole thing that was happening. Yeah, it was great to see opportunity, but how long is this going to last? And are we just sort of a gimmick? Are we just like two articles and moving on kind of thing? Uh, and we'll use you to pop the gay crowd in June. And so I said, well, let's just take this mic. It's live. They can't cut the feed. I've got the live stream on. And I said, let's just spit some truth. And I think that resonates with people because when you're in the indies, when you're trying to be a wrestler, when you're trying to get to the next level, there's sort of a fear to step on toes or crack eggshells or however you want to describe it. And the the sort of backbone to it was, <laughs> look, I'm, I'm good either way. I got money either way. I'm going to perform either way. I've got bookings until next year either way. Let's just riff. And people saw that uh, there was sort of a, a no bullshit to that. And I think when when you sort of are a person that gets to step out of line, hopefully it shows other people they can do it too. So maybe we're all stepping out of line a little more, and maybe it's helping us. Uh, maybe it's helping us keep some of this ground. So I think it's great that people are seeing it and push back to it and talk about it too. No, I, I think it's definitely helped people kind of claim their own spot within the industry in that way, or at least vocalize their opinions or feel more empowered to do so. Um, from their own uh, pedestals, I would say. Um, what do you think? Like, because it's been almost a year now since that since that promo. How do you, from your vantage point, how do you think um, the the state of LGBTQ representation in the in the industry has um, changed for for better or, or worse from your viewpoint since that promo? I think it's becoming more common i think we're making big strides more companies are taking risks on lgbtq talent and more companies are finding out that there is payoff in having them around and that there are people paying attention and i get to see more of my friends in high profile places like i look at someone like jamie senegal who has been um that bitch for years and now is getting these big opportunities to show it out and show people that they may not know what to expect with Jamie Senegal, but it's going to be a good time and it's going to be some highly entertaining athletic stuff. And I, I've, I'll announce it here. Jamie's coming to the big game brunch. That's oh, happening. nice. Guaranteed. 
I can't announce Jamie's match yet. I'm ready for it. There's some, <clears> it's we're trying to see if they can coexist to make this match happen. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, that's that... always that's a good sign, right? Yeah. Good and messy. We have to make sure they can coexist. There's egos in the room. There's <laughs> there's big talk in the room. And um we'll see. It'll it'll probably be announced shortly though, I hope. Because once you announce it, they can't take it back, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, card subject to change always, but yeah. <laughs> I'm trying not to subject the card to any change. I've been badgering <laughs> Brett Lauderdale for a while uh, about making sure that the day before we don't lose our Razor Ramon hard gay. We got to make sure we get our Japanese talent in. We can't have any holdups at the customs border. Get them in four days early if you need to. <laughs> Actually, that is that that brings up something very interesting to me because you know obviously like Razor Ramon Hard Game is was such an intriguing pick I think for for this show because like that's somebody who's been out of the wrestling bubble for a while now since he retired due to injury, um, but and the character itself like has been of course like criticized by uh, a lot by people as well as like celebrated which I think. Honestly, that kind of happens a lot with um, like queer coded characters. But here's the explanation, though. Okay, yeah. here's the explanation. These are this is the factual, real. Razor Ramon Hardgate is fucking awesome, and oh, yeah. I had the opportunity. And like I think back to being a teen, being in the closet, trying to hide this stuff, and watching wrestling or being shown this by your friends or being shown what what this man is, and whether it was from weird clips or whatever you were seeing, wrestling or otherwise. It was some of the gayest stuff I had ever even seen. Like this is, we're talking real gay, right? Not real gay, but real gay. And with the way Japan is culturally, they're still very uncomfortable with a lot of gay things, with a lot of um, LGBT issues. And this was putting it in their faces on a grand stage. And that to me is so sick. And I got presented the opportunity and I said, look, I said, if I told you you were running a wrestling show and you were younger and had seen this for the first time and i told you you could book that crazy gay japanese insane comedian wrestler extraordinaire yeah i'd do it in a heartbeat and i can't go into specifics of why razor ramon hardgay is back but razor ramon hardgay is back and we are so excited to have him in america <laughs> i honestly can't wait to see it like that that's a that's a dude. Like I think I had a similar experience uh, as as you described with him um, growing up, where it does it does give you like a, a, an ability to like normalize with something, um, seeing that play out in in the media like that. I know for I, yeah, I talk, where else are you going to see a little man in pleather lingerie just doing it big time coming out to Ricky Martin? Where else? <laughs> I wasn't. I once again, how would you know how to Google that? You would no. You have to be shown these outrageous things so you can start figuring shit out. We're trying to influence the children. We're coming to make your kids gay. <laughs> All the kids are gay now. Yes, the gay agenda is in full force. Yeah, we're in full force. We've got great food. We've got easy breakfast times, and we're we're here to to change your kids. So bring them on out to the big gay brunch. Oh God, I love it so much. I the, the more we talk about this, and the more we go through everybody that's going to be there, like I'm just getting more and more excited. I'm about sorry it turned your podcast into a promotional event, oh, but I'm very excited. Like I'm genuinely, <laughs> this is very exciting. No, I agree. Like it is, it is very exciting. I think it's like, I know for me, it is a major draw going to going to Mania this year. 
um, to go to the big game brunch. It's going to be a blast. So. Um, but I think it's also like a very like it's a very market uh, cultural uh, point in the industry as well. You know, a lot of your work um, in various independents over the past couple of years, like, has really yes, some of it has been more uh, on the the silly side. You know, and, and you've also had like some more like hardcore stuff and the GCW and some of the, the no ring death matches you've done with Castle of Valentine up in Brooklyn. Um, have been awesome to watch, but some of the, the more um, subtextual like story elements of what you've done as well, I think have spoken to the kind of stories you can tell um, within pro wrestling that maybe weren't thought of as being stories that were being able to, to be told within the ring. I know for me, I always go back to, like you brought up New York last year, um, you and Billy Dixon and the Big A Street Fight. Um, the the storyline that, that was going into that match um, where there's a lot of, it brought up like these really like important uh, topics of discussion, like, you know, gay black erasure, gay trans, uh, black trans erasure, um, privilege uh, within, the, within the queer community. And, I think that, I don't know, like that, that sort of thing, you don't see it that often. You don't even see yeah. stories like that that you, often with that kind of heaviness in pro wrestling. Right. And that's the thing about it is like we get to tell our own stories now. And so with with working with Billy and getting to sort of have myself in the role of like, you're this big star because of your privilege, right? Like you could pass on the streets. You're a big guy. You've a white guy with a beard. All of it is handed to you. And I can sit there and go, no, I worked for it. I did everything. And I get to sort of fall into this, not necessarily an evil heel role, but there's a different sort of villain that you get to play in that where you can be dismissive of someone's skill or ability or talent and say, look, it's not because of these reasons. And he can say, but all of it is because of these reasons, because people don't pay attention to the things that they are doing subconsciously and the way they're treating a person subconsciously because of their race or religion or, or, you know, who they are or their sexuality, where that's a common thread that we have. How are these other things that are different about us and what am I missing and what am I not learning? And then we fight each other and I get beat and I find out, look, I was dismissive and you were right. And I wasn't paying attention. And that's a really cool story to tell that maybe me and him chose to tell, but it's not the only people that have experienced it. And that's why people see it and say, whoa, like this is a real thing. No, like it, it definitely speaks to these larger kind of cultural conversations that we're having, especially, you know, as the younger generation starts to like embrace like the like maybe seeing gender more as a spectrum, seeing sexuality as more of a spectrum, like embracing these ideas that, you know, within the queer community, like populations have been, you know, speaking to and, and trying to promote and, and and realize about themselves for a while now. But outside of that, you know, it it's those stories have been silenced. Yeah. Well now we're, we're going to keep doing stories. I, I tell people like, let's, if we're doing something, let's do something interesting or weird or fun or exciting or new or different. I don't need to do the same shit. I don't need to do the same stories. I did a spot one time with sugar Dunkerton where we started doing basic chain work together in the ring. And I stopped him and I go, what are you doing? I go, are you bored? And he goes, I'm pretty bored. So I'm bored too. So there's like a hundred thousand hours of this same shit on YouTube, isn't there? And he said, yeah. I said, let's play slaps instead. 
<laughs> and it sounds like a goofy, silly little spot, but it's sort of the idea of why am I just going to sit here and replicate on the same stage the same things that other people have replicated? Yes, I can use some of the same measures and tactics, and yes, I can fall into a pattern that makes sense and works, but I can also try things that aren't necessarily used in the way they would be or you know, have been before or twisting them in a new way that's unique to me and not just sitting on the same. It's easy to sit on formulas. There's a formula that works, right? Supposedly, there's a formula that works. If you walk away from the formula and you just sort of use elements and pieces of it, you get to make whatever you want. And then the test is if it's good, it's good. So if people like it, if people come to it, if people find meaning in it and find, you know, something that they can attach themselves to in it, then it worked and it's good. And so we get mm. to try these things that other people would have said, that's not part of the formula. That's not how it works. That's not the plan. And we get to do them and go, look, it did work. You were wrong. We figured it out. <laughs> that's really like awesome to hear especially considering like how many different styles you do work you know like and i mentioned that you have this you know i think the word of the day right now is spectrum you have a spectrum of styles that you work from you know the more like playful software but then you can also you can like do a very mat based style and then you also go into like the deathmatch stuff and even the no ring deathmatch stuff i, I think you know the first match of yours that I ever referred to anybody um, was the uh, the match you had um, with Casanova Valentine. I think it was I don't know if it was the first no ring death match that you had with him, but uh, it was the first one that I saw. And I think uh, there's something about that style. You know, we were t I was talking to MB Young a couple weeks ago about this, and like he there, there's just something different in his demeanor whenever you bring up that no ring deathmatch style is there something about that like what is it about that style do you think that that kind of brightens wrestlers minds so living in a constricted box is like the game of wrestling there's rules of wrestling there's a ring there's ropes there's all these things and by taking away all of that structure you sort of add a new set of rules and so you've got to think about this isn't a matted floor. I'm using sort of elements of stunt work. I'm using elements of, you know, combat fighting that are wrestling and you can incorporate a lot of wrestling, but it's also sort of like a live movie filming and people are all around you and you're crowded and it's crazy and there's weapons and there's nobody stopping you. It's, it's sort of an electric feeling and like people are very dismissive of the style, but it's honestly one of the most fun things to be in the crowd for. And it's super exhilarating to be in the middle of it. <laughs> I mean, I definitely get that vibe whenever, whenever I'm watching it. And, and, um, you know, from every, I can't, like, for everybody that I've spoken to that has been involved in those matches has talked about like the casual audiences that it brings in the people that have never seen a wrestling show. Like we were talking about earlier, like with this party environment of like bringing in people who never thought they would be at a wrestling show and then them just like falling in love with it. Or at least that aspect of it. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, it just it just always intrigues me because, like, like you said, like it, it's. I think at a different age, it would have been viewed as more barbaric, quote unquote, than than um, other wrestling styles. But at the same time, like wrestling has evolved the same way that uh, like social norms have evolved, or the at least the the levels of acceptance have evolved. So it's, I just I just find the correlation between the two very interesting, personally. I'll tell you this. I have fun working those matches. Yeah. I make great money working those matches. I meet 
really exciting, cool fans. And back to you, back to the casual thing. I see a lot of people who don't usually come to wrestling at their shows and they end up at other shows and they check it out and they fall into the rabbit hole. And it's sort of the new territory. And like if people who are veterans of the business hate it, that means it's going to make a lot of money soon. So just keep doing stuff that they're really uncomfortable with because they're on their way to the to the grave and we're on our way to making money. We can be angry later. But right now we need to just accept all these new wild styles if people are paying attention to them. And it's important as as a performer for myself to be able to fit into any spot you need. If you're bringing me in and you tell me what I'm doing, I can do it. Let's do it. I could name off a hundred different styles of match right now. Who knows? Let's do it. Let's give it a go. What are the rules? How does it work? Okay, let's try it. I want to be that guy for that spot. Is there a certain like pride that you take in having that sort of flexibility in what you in the styles you can work? Yeah, and I think it's helped me get over more, and I think it's helped me get on the mat more because um, you get to see all these different this three sixty view of of the character of Effie of who I am in all these different situations you're not just seeing me in the same situation over and over i'm constantly in a new adventure there's a new season there's something new happening and going on what's he doing this time you know yeah i mean it's always interesting to see like what the surprises that might be in store there i would say i got surprises oh i'm sure you do (laughs) i got surprises y'all are gonna see deep into my soul before this big gay brunch i'm gonna let y'all in but not yet that's all right. There's still time. There's still time. Plenty. <laughs> Listen, there's time. I got content. I got things on the way. We're doing it. Big announcements yes. constantly. I got more announcements than days. Oh. I got to go make an announcement right now. That's in the current. How does it happen? I don't know. Who am I going <laughs> to announce? We'll find out. It's not Jeff Gordon. <laughs> that dude sucks. Speaking of uh, people who suck. Um, you've been very, um, I think one of the things that people most appreciate about you outside of the ring is your, um, basically your propensity to just not care who you, um, like offend or, or or not, or who you like burn bridges with in in way, in, in a way of, um, speaking about the business and critiquing the business, I would say, I know I, uh, I think the most notable thing uh, recently, other than the Saudi Arabia stuff with WWE, which that's a whole other fucking cube to get into, is but um, the you know when you were on um, Sugar Dunkerton's uh, podcast, we uh, Indie Till Infinity back in December, and you brought. I think this is where the majority of people of the audience, like the fan audience, learned about the stuff with Evolve and Gabe Sapolsky and withholding and not paying all of his workers and everything. And we saw all of that play out on Twitter between, you know, Gabe and, and David Starr. Um, and I'm just, I just want to get your opinion, like seeing how that whole situation played out after you commented on it, like what were, what are you thinking or what were your feelings after seeing how that all played out? That shit was hilarious. <laughs> I love it. Um, listen, I wish no one ill will, but if you're bad at this, get out of here. And if you, if you, this is this goes for all the companies. If you're doing shady shit, I'm not about it. I don't want to be involved with it. I don't want to be associated with it. And by being in the same industry as me, you have now made me involved in the issue because you're fucking this up for me somehow, some way. So, yeah, it's all about just getting the scumbags out and making this business viable and real and regular and not 
as shady as it is, it's a business based on a secret, right? It's the secret is we're working yet. Okay. But everybody knows that now. So like we can't keep working double secrets in the back. There's triple K back there where boys are working, boys are working, boys are working, promoters are working, bookers are working. It's crazy. We're done with it. It's, it, it's, it's not fun. It's not acceptable. We can speak. We have global communication now. Don't let people get over on you like that. And, you know, I think they're making some changes. Good for them. And that's, you know, all I got to say. Yeah. What, what, a, what a great time. I hope everybody is getting treated wonderfully. And I love all of their talent. I know those guys fucking probably hate me now, but I really have some great friends over there that work for Evolve. And I hope they're getting everything. Mm. No, I mean, I think the ability to, to speak truth to power is important in any field, and especially one where so much is shrouded in this, like, other, like, this this curtain, I think, you know, like, where the, so much is, like, unknown, whether it's work or, or not, and, and that sort of thing. I think it's very important to have people that are very clear about, like, speaking to the the bad apples, quote unquote, um, within the industry. We have to, I have to, I feel mm -hmm. it in my heart. I hope people stand with me. <laughs> I mean, from all I've seen, people will definitely stand with you. Um, and I would argue it's, it's, you know, you're one of the main reasons why I think people have felt more empowered to do that in, in recent months and over the past year or so, you know, I, I know I've spoken with, um, going back to primetime, you know, speaking with, with Lola McGrath, like I think a lot of their um, their confidence in what they do with primetime comes from that that innate uh, want to speak to uh, an industry that hasn't really um, provided a lot of uh, land for their community to build upon in that way. They're bringing the party and they're making sure it's safe for everybody. And that's, that's important. And that's, and we're seeing that's viable. What a fun word, viable. <laughs> oh, we can't do that idea. It's not viable. Hey, guess what? Might be, maybe you're just bad at putting it on. Maybe there's better <laughs> people who can put on a better show who can handle it and know how to put it out into the world. Maybe you were just scared to get your feet wet. We weren't. <laughs> do you think that, um, Eliminating that fear is a is a major thing for you going forward. Obviously, you're focused on your own career and 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 bringing the name of Effie to an even higher place than it is now. But like being able to help people speak to eliminating those kind of fears out like within the industry as a whole, being able to to open up spaces for more. Uh, queer pro wrestlers to operate in is, is that something that you like want to continue going forward as a, as a major focus for yourself no way no I'm just kidding <laughs> of course I mean like of course like we need we need tv deals for for all of us I guess tv's dead actually that that's my nobody has cable sit down everything's on the internet you'll stream it if you want to stream it that's the rule, right? It doesn't matter paid, unpaid, pirated. You'll stream it if you want to stream it. That's the rule. Whether it's TV, whether it's cable, y'all, a couple of y'all got cable real big in the 55 and up. Of course, of course they got a big 55 and up. That's the only people with cable. 
What are y'all? Who are y'all kidding? We're jumping into the pool. You guys are testing for to make sure the chlorine levels are okay for your skin. We're just jumping in the damn pool. We're jumping in the river. Come watch us, and you're gonna see. We're gonna float, and we're gonna be flowing down that river and just having the best time, having our big queer exciting experience for yes. everybody. Definitely. And all that will get started down in Tampa uh, on April 4th at the Big Gay Brunch. I'm curious, you teased uh, a West Hollywood Big Gay Brunch for for next year's WrestleMania. I know we need to get the first one out of the way first, but... Yeah, we gotta... Listen, y'all, I know a lot of y'all are coming, and I know it's passe to buy tickets in advance. Just buy these tickets. We sold out the first row, sold out the second row, sold out first and second of bleachers, sold a bunch of tickets, sold out of the brunch, so... You can't come to the meal anymore. That private party is closed. But we, you know, we only close that to 250 people. We're keeping a tight lip in there. And then we'll open up the rest of the room. And then everybody can come in and have the time of their life. Um, get your tickets. That's how you support. I'm flying people from Japan. I'm flying people from Mexico. Flying flying people from around the world in. For your entertainment, your amusement. we got to pay for those flights now. Buy, just get these tickets. I know the walk is going to be incredible because it's just... People are going to be talking about it all week, but let me pay for these visas and get, we're covered, but y'all got to buy these damn tickets. <laughs> well, you heard the directive, everybody go out and buy the damn tickets for Effie's big gay brunch on April 4th down at Here's Tampa. The the Club. Can I give the link? Oh, definitely. Give the link. Y'all are going to love this. Make it gayer. Eventbrite.com. Make it gayer. Eventbrite. <laughs> I'm making it gayer. Yes, I'm actually curious. Like, make it gayer. Where did where did that originate from for yourself? Like, was that something you've used for a while? Because I know it's it's like so many things that you've said. Like, it's become a Listen, bit of a. I, I'm a sure part. it's like from something. I'm yeah. sure it is, and I just saw it. But here's what I was saying. It. I was watching my promos back, and I was just going, oh, make, just make it gayer. What do we do? We got to make it gayer. <laughs> That's what I was saying for my promos. And so it just sort of became a mantra that escaped into the world. <laughs> I love it. And I think a lot of people have latched onto it in a very, very awesome way. Good. Um, Please. I believe in it. Let's make it gayer. What are we waiting for? Definitely. Make it gayer. Um, so, Effie, thank you once again for, for dropping by the Blessings. show. Yes. Um, let everybody know where they can find you on social media. And and again, I, we can throw out that link one more time for the Big Gay Brunch. Please, of course. Uh, Twitter, Effie Lives. Instagram, Effie Lives. Facebook, just search for Effie. I'm wearing a red coat or a pink coat, however you look at it. Uh, I also have a pro wrestling tease. I got to plug that. Please buy my shirts. They're great shirts. I pay designers. I get a lot of exciting different designs. I give you options. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Effie lives. You guessed it. I'm trying to keep it clean across the board. I hear you. My thanks once again to Effie for for coming on the show. Um, I'm very happy that we were able to get our nice little chat in before all of this befell me. Um, but but no, it was it was great chatting with him about everything and and um, honestly, all every new announcement. Uh, for the Big Gay Brunch, just, I think, bumps up the excitement for that event coming up in Tampa. And it is sure to be a party, probably the party of parties, um, that weekend down at the Cuban Club for the Collective. 
that being said, I'm going to continue preserving my voice and end this show fairly quickly here. Um, uh, I guess real quick before I go, though, um, one, uh, the New Japan beginning in Osaka show was great. Moxley Suzuki was great. Hiromu, really, please, God, don't kill yourselves. But that was great. Kenta Naito, great. Can't wait to see what's going to happen now that we're heading in, heading into uh, New Japan Cup season. That's going to be fun. Um, also, NXT TakeOver Portland is coming up this weekend. That should be really an interesting show to look at. Um, but, you know, touch on those quickly. We'll probably touch on... I might touch on them a little bit more next week whenever I have a bit more of my faculties about me here. Um, but... We gotta do some plugs and uh, send out some big old thank yous before we get out of here today. Um, first off, Effie, um, follow Effie on Twitter and Instagram at Effie Lives. You can find his uh, pro wrestling tea store, um, Effie Lives. Um, and of course, if you want tickets to the big game brunch itself, go to uh, makeitgator.eventbrite.com. Um, and then, of course, you can follow myself on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. You can follow the show on Twitter at LGBTRingPod. And um, a huge thank you to Daniel Quasar for the Progress Pride Flag design that we use in our logo. The Progress Pride Flag design by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at Quasar.digital. And then, of course, thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666. That's off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSWBand. And you can check out their music on Spotify or Bandcamp um, at Sarah and the Safe Word bandcamp.com and if you're into video games you can also check out my uh, video game news podcast the Mr. Video Game Super Show um, I host that I co-host that every Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment that I do that show in collaboration with a couple of other awesome Twitch streamers, uh, Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin, and it's always a fun time whenever we can get our technical <laughs> difficulties sorted out. Um, we were unable to complete our show this week because of those things, but we will be back next week with plenty of things to talk about. Because uh, just like the pro wrestling world, the video game world has plenty of topics to discuss at all times. But... Um, we should also note that there are some awesome things coming up on this Outsports uh, podcast feed as well. Uh, most notably, tomorrow's show, Three Strikes You're Out, with uh, fellow contributor Ken Schultz. This week on the Three Strikes You're Out podcast, Ken Schultz is joined by Away Games podcast co-host Kevin McCaffrey and Adam Mamawala. They're going to tee up the baseball commissioner and the Astros and Red Sox execs who are trying to ruin the game we love. That's this Friday on the Outsports Podcast Network. And with that, I think that's the show. Thank you all for joining this week. Hopefully I will feel better next week. We'll cross fingers. Um, it should be fun, though. Next week's guest, um, we're going back to the Uncanny Attractions well. We've had Envy Young on the show before. Now we're welcoming Darnell Mitchell to the show next week here on LGBT in the ring. But until then, y'all stay messy, be good to each other, 
and we'll see you next Thursday. Everybody's ready to die. 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 Everybody's ready to die.